This episode is brought to you by the hilarious novel FIFO by Aaron Weston, available on Aaron Weston Author Instagram account. Alright, enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome to the Aaron White Show, and I'm your host, Aaron. Today we have a fantastic guest, Vanessa Jane Carley. Vanessa is a female bodybuilder and a FIFO worker. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. Hey, first question, can you please tell me your story, like how you grew up, any life-changing events and how you ended up getting into bodybuilding? Okay, um, I grew up in a small town down south called Manjima. Um, some of the listeners might have heard of it, some of probably don't. It's a pretty small town. It's down towards Pemberton, Walpole area, if anyone's been down there. Um, yeah, I grew up down there in a... You know, in a little small town, going to school, doing the normal things. Um, I left school when I was 15 with, um, I sort of had in, had in mind that I wanted to be a hairdresser and I figured I'd, I, I didn't like school. I was, I was bullied. Um, I was kind of bored in school. I just didn't want to be there anymore. So when I was 15, I left school. I got a full-time job and then... Um, you know, I did that for a couple of years, just working, kicking around, doing nothing in particular. But I always had that foresight that I wanted to do something more. So just kicking around doing boring jobs was never really for me. Um, I eventually, when I was, I think it was 17, I moved to Perth, which is, um, at that time, it was four hours away. It's now only three and a half because they've got a new freeway in. Um, moved to Perth to start my apprenticeship. Um, in hairdressing, um, I was only there for I think it was, it was less than six months. It wasn't a very long time. Um, then I had a car accident, which was my own fault. Um, then that made hairdressing really, really difficult because I hurt my back. Um, so then I left Perth, moved back to Manjimup, back in with the family, um, and then I kind of stayed there for many years. Like I finished my apprenticeship. Um, and then, you know, did a few other jobs and then went into mining, which I guess we'll go into later on. But that's pretty much my story of growing up. Nothing, you know, extraordinary about it. Just the same as everyone else, really. Um, getting into bodybuilding for me. So when I was younger, so um, 21, I started doing some modelling work. So I started doing... Um, you know, fashion parades, uh, magazines, calendars. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I did a couple of TV ads, which was really cool. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So that was that was cool. That led me to um, make a lot of contacts, meet a lot of cool people. And along the way, I met this, this chick who was interested in getting into fitness modeling. And I just thought she looked freaking amazing. So I sort of started doing some research on it uh, and then I started buying fitness magazines and then one day I bought a bodybuilding magazine and it had the, the first ever winner of the Miss Olympia bikini um, on the cover and that just got me, I just said, wow, this is the look I want and started becoming obsessed with bodybuilding which has grown to this day and that's basically how I got into it. So I started training for my first competition after that. Well, that's pretty cool. Do you reckon that the bullying back when in high school also helped you get into the bodybuilding because you want to be powerful so you didn't have to go through that again? 
or not? Look, I think, that, I think that can be a part of it for a lot of people and I do understand how that would be a motivation, but um, not for me. I don't, I don't actually believe that the bullying has really had any impact on motivation for anything in my life. I think it's just something that a lot of kids go through and I've just brushed it off and moved on. Ah, oh, sweet. You talked about a lot of things. So I'm going to touch on lots of different things there. So when you had your character and hurt your back, how did that stop you from doing your apprenticeship? Was it you just couldn't go to the hairdressing college thing? You couldn't drive there and that? You had to be looked after? Or no, I was still, I was, uh, I was still working. Um, it was just, I was in a lot of pain. I was heavily reliant on pain medication. I found it very hard to move. I found it very hard to stand on my feet all day. I was actually advised to not do hairdressing, but instead I took some time off. Oh, I quit my job, took some time off, and then I ended up uh, completing my apprenticeship down home, down near management in Pemberton, actually. So it was, it was just as a result of the injuries, um, some pain. That was all it was, yeah. Oh, makes perfect sense. Hey, when you're 21 and you do those magazines and TV ads and stuff like that, how did you get into that, the modelling and that? Um, well, I started doing uh, just some modelling competitions and things like that, you know, like we, um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but they used to be at nightclubs. They did like the Ralph and Zoo uh, model search and things like that. So I did those kind of things. Um the TV ads, I was actually approached at a wedding by someone who ran a production company and asked me if I wanted to do some TV ads. So I've done a few over the years. Yeah, I just started um, booking shoots with photographers and creating a portfolio of sorts. And some photographers then submit to magazines. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I just felt something that was cool that I wanted to do and made it happen. Oh, that's cool. Did you end up in those Zoo and Ralph magazines? Yeah, yep. Nothing, no cover, no covers or anything like that. But yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. A couple of little photos along the way, yep. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Did you keep the magazines as like a memento? No, I do still have a calendar that I was in. Um, but that's really all I have, I guess. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I reckon it's cool just having like those little mementos you can look back in like 20, 30 years. Like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I think it is cool. So I think the problem is we keep a lot of things um, in digital form these days, you know, photos and mementos, and sometimes they get lost along the way. So sometimes a hard copy of things is, is nice. Yeah, it totally is. Here's a question about the whole bodybuilding type thing. Do you guys have to wear that fake tan or you just like wearing it? What's the go with that? Yes, we do have to wear it. You are actually judged. Um, on a multitude of things. There's a whole scoring sheet that the judges have and tan is one of the things you are judged on. Is a certain type of tan? I think I was listening to Rich Piana and he, he was using, I don't want to say an illegal tan, but a tan that they didn't want the people to wear. It had to be like a certain um, shade or something. Is that, is that supposed to be a Yeah, correct. So every federation has their rules around tans. Normally, <laughs> The standard is that it doesn't wipe off easily. A lot of that has to do with the venues and them not wanting tan to get on everything. Generally, there's a, how, what would I call it, a tanning company that's on site for the show and I will generally book with them out of convenience. So then I know that I'm getting a good tan, a tan that the Federation approves of, 
and that I can get touch-ups backstage if I mess it up because that always happens. Uh, but yeah, there are there are guidelines to go by, and there are certain tans that are banned by certain federations. Do you normally get it the day before or the day of the event? It's a whole process actually. So you kind of got to prep your skin for the tan. You know that means hair removal, exfoliation, moisturising, all that kind of stuff, and then you get. Uh, you get, I'm just trying to think of the days. So for, say you're competing on a Sunday, you get a tan Friday, say Friday afternoon, you sleep in that, wash that off Saturday morning, and then Saturday, Saturday at some point, you get another coat of tan, you sleep in that, you do not shower that off on Sunday morning. Then you get a top coat on Sunday, so you end up with three coats of tan. You haven't showered in two days, <laughs> and everyone backstage stinks like tan, and it's and you can't put on perfume, you can't put on deodorant, nothing. So <laughs> it's it's a very unglamorous part of it. I have dedicated black sheets for competition time, but so if I'm in a hotel, I take them. If I'm at home, I use them. Yeah, it's pretty gross. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions if you actually had dedicated sheets for it. So basically when you're doing that competition, you're saying this, everyone just stinks. Yeah, basically. Like it's not, it's not that bad, but yeah, no one's showered for two days and they're covered in two coats of tan. So yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. funny. It's like a bit behind the scenes type bloody thing. I've, I never actually thought about that. When you're there. Yeah, yeah. What's your, what's your workout like there? Do you do a workout in the morning or do you, have those like little rubber bands that you try to pump yourself up with and stuff before the show? On on competition day? Yeah, or either workouts before, the day before or day of, whatever you do. Yeah. Um, it varies for everyone. For me personally, I will train, a lot of it works around the tan, to be honest. So, um, and everyone's different in their water depletion, salt manipulation, food, all that kind of stuff. So, Personally, I train before I get my first coat of tan and then after I wash that off on the Saturday, I'll train again. But just something real light, full body, just get the blood pumping, not lifting anything heavy because at this point you're pretty knackered anyway. Um, and then on the day of the show, I'll just pump up with whatever's backstage. Now, to be honest, I need to be more prepared in this sense because... Sometimes there's a lot of stuff provided backstage. Sometimes there's bare minimum and I need to be better prepared in the future. So there'll be some bands backstage, some light dumbbells, things like that. So prior to going on stage, you normally get a 30 minute warning or whatever. And that's when you're able to, you know, carve up a little bit, um, use the bands just to, you know, pump up the shoulders or the, the glutes or just make yourself pop a little bit. And then you get to go out on stage. Do you have to dehydrate yourself? I know you mentioned salt or you said something about salt or whatever. Do you have to dehydrate yourself to get those cuts? Um, look, everyone's different in this. Like I eat quite a lot of salt all the time and I eat a fair bit of salt before the competition. I follow my coach's advice. Um, he, we do manipulate water, but it's never to the point where I'm dehydrated. We actually, so we monitor liquids in and liquids out um to make but i do definitely taper off my water so that i'm not consuming as much as i normally would definitely ah sweet hey i don't know if you can answer this one or not in your competitions do the girls get into the steroids 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's a couple of different federations, especially within Australia. There's a few major ones. Um, some are considered natural federations and some are considered untested federations. So I compete in the IFBB Pro League. Um, I have heard of testing happening, but for the most part, it is an untested federation. So yeah, people are on steroids. That is, and the girls, yes definitely and that goes through all of the divisions I just think it's a it's a personal choice I think as long as you're prepared to deal with the upside and downside of it as long as you're looking after your health in every aspect that you can I think it's a personal choice but yeah definitely um, within all of the divisions there's steroid use yeah oh sweet Hey, um, do you have a pro card and what is a pro card? Like how do you get one or whatever? Okay, no, I do not. I compete as an amateur. So I've not been fortunate enough to enter the pro ranks. How it works basically is, so you compete. So this is how it would work for me if I wanted to gain my pro card. I would compete in my state show, being my Perth show, and then you would have to go and compete at a pro qualifying show, which there's two a year in Australia. Uh, the Arnold Classic was the most recent one, which was in March in Melbourne. That's when Arnold Schwarzenegger comes over and it's a massive show. It's the biggest show in Australia. Then you would have to compete there and you would have to win the overall for your division. So you would have to beat every single person in your division and then you get your pro card. Following getting that, you can no longer compete with the amateurs and you can only compete with the pro-level athletes, which is amazing because you're competing with the best of the best, but it also limits you because there's only one pro show every year in Australia, so you have to travel to compete internationally, which is exciting in itself. Is that something you'd like to do or are you happy doing what you're doing? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I recently switched divisions. So I've only done one show in the division I'm doing now, which is figure. And I fully intend to be the best I can and, and hopefully that means earning my pro card within the next few years. Yeah. So you said you competing figure what does that entail what, what do you got so you got figure then how's that work what's the difference okay so within the female divisions there's bikini which is the least muscular of the divisions yeah um so that's um you know a toned body it's um some some muscle, but not any real separation. The posing is different. The, the suit is different. Um, it's, they consider it more of a beach body, but it's not. It is hard work for the bikini girls. Now, I've competed in bikini since I started and in different federations. Um, up until last year, I competed in bikini and I was told that I was getting too large for that division. So I switched over to figure, which is the, in a sense, the next division up. It's, to me, such a beautiful division. So it's still very feminine. We still wear high heels. We still wear beautiful 
bling suits, uh, the posing is a little bit more to show off muscularity. So we have quarter turns, which show off some muscularity. Um, we're expected to have a V taper, so broad shoulders into a small waist. We're expected to have quads. Um, and it's a really, it's, it's a muscular division, but it's still really feminine and beautiful. Then you have fitness, which is a similar look to figure, but they also do a gymnastics routine, which is so cool. A girlfriend of mine competes in that, and I was talking to her the other day, and I'm really excited for her to succeed and hopefully win her pro card. We, we competed in bikini a few years ago together. Then you've got wellness, which is it's kind of in between figure and bikini in the sense that it's got a... I, I liken it to having a bikini upper body which is a trained but not very developed shoulders and upper body it's sort of a toned upper body with bigger legs like thicker legs it's really big in south america and brazil really quite large glutes or booty um and legs that's a really cool division another girlfriend of mine competes in that we competed in bikini together as well before uh, that's that's a brand new division within Australia and throughout the IFBB Pro League, so that's really exciting to watch. So then you've got women's physique, which is really quite a muscular division. They don't wear high heels; they pose in bare feet, um, and they hit the same poses as the men. So it's really more of your classical bodybuilding poses and division. Um, and then there's a women's bodybuilding as well, which has been taken out and is now only just coming back. And that's the biggest, most muscular, most lean, freakiest women you could imagine. But I don't believe there's any competitors doing that within Australia. Is that why I got taken out? Because there wasn't anyone competing in it? Um, no, I'm not actually sure what, what the decision was to take it out. Um, I'm really excited to see it back. It's not something I've ever aspired to, but um, there's a woman over in the States, Iris Kyle, who won the Miss Olympia in the bodybuilding division for 10 years running, and then they all of a sudden took it out, and that took her whole career away from her. So she's been campaigning to get it back, as have others. And it's finally coming back. I'm not really sure what the decision behind it was. It was it was a real high up decision over in America that's trickled down to Australia. So yeah. Oh, fair enough. How are you going competing wise? Are you like getting first in your class or tenth, or how's your ranking going? So um, I've had mixed success. So my first ever show back in, oh, I'm actually looking at my trophy now. I can't see the date. I think it was 2013, maybe. Um, I got third place in my first show, which I was, you know, so, was so unexpected and I was so happy about that. Then um, I switched federations um, and I've had mixed success. So I've had no placings. I've had near last placings. I've had a first place. So, um it's been very mixed and at the end of the day that comes down to the effort and energy that I put into it. Um, but it also depends who shows up on the day. You know, you can be looking freaking amazing, but if the people on the day show up and they look better than you, well, that's, that's how it is. 
So I've had mixed placings in bikini and then this year was my first year in figure and I won second place um, in my division. So I was really happy about that. That's pretty awesome. Second's pretty good. Mm, mm. Did you ever want to get into the powerlifting side of things or are you just happy doing like the what you're doing? No. As far as competing in powerlifting, no. Never been my aspiration. I really respect powerlifters though. Like I think it's really cool to be lifting such big weights. I've always wanted to be strong. I think that's really important, not only for functionality, like it's good to be strong, but also that helps you in terms of gaining muscle, the stronger you are, the more load you can put on your body, which is going to force it to grow. So not competition, powerlifting isn't something I've ever aspired to, though, no. Nah, fair enough. Hey, like what sponsors do you have? Do you, I've seen some supplements pop up. Do you get, and do you have like a clothing one as well? What, yeah, you tell me. No, so I have a sponsor and a relationship with a company called Growth Labs Australia. Uh, I've been involved with them for, I think it's about 18 months now. And they have been so amazing. Um, we They send me supplements on a regular basis whatever i need they supply um they're also there for support like I, I chat to the owners pretty regularly we also have a cool little um team behind the scenes of other people affiliated with the brand and we have a little chat and we motivate each other so we'll have in the group chat someone will be like look i'm having a not great day what's everyone up to and we'll kind of send through little tidbits of what we're up to or little motivational posts or show each other our training or whatever they yeah and they also um, were kind enough to help me out financially with my competition this year because I intended to go to Arnold's in Melbourne so yeah I am so grateful for Growth Labs Australia and so yeah that, that's the supplements that you would have seen pop up on my on my feed so that's the only company i'm really officially involved with at the moment but i'm really grateful to be a part of it arnold's didn't happen because this corona thing is that right yeah it was a bit of a schmozzle so obviously this is uh an unprecedented event as everyone's been using that word so i think it was really hard for the organizers they didn't really know how to go about it and what would happen you know there was restrictions on the amount of people that could be in a venue and all this kind of stuff. So I still went to Melbourne, but not with the intention to compete. I just had already booked everything. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go. Um, it ended up being held at a different location, 45 minutes from town with limited athletes, no crowd, like no spectators, no expo, which normally goes along with it. Um, none of the pro athletes or army flying over for it. It was a very different event. Um, it was not the Arnold's Australia that everyone wants to compete at or wants to attend. So it still went ahead, the actual bodybuilding show, but not in the same capacity as normal. So I didn't compete, but I'm looking forward to competing next year. and Hopefully it'll be the full experience. No, that'd definitely be a good experience for you. Hey, um, what if somebody wants to get some of those um, supplements and stuff? You might as well give a shout out to Growth Labs. So, what's their website and stuff? Do you know off head? 
uh, off mine? Uh, no, I can't remember offhand, but you can find them on Instagram. So if you look up Growth Labs Australia, I'm pretty sure it's growth underscore labs underscore Australia. Otherwise, if you look in my profile, it's got a direct link to them there and there's also a discount code. So if anyone wants 10% off, use that code on there. I think it's Vanessa C10. Um, and they have all, all sorts of stuff. So they have like old school stuff. So they've got your creatines, they've got your BCAs, they've got glutamine, carnitine, all those kind of things that people have been using forever. And they've got some new formulations um, like Testodrine, which is a testosterone booster. They've got, uh, gosh, what have they got? Testodrine, which uh, not just trying, I just said that one. Um, Lipodrine, which is a fat burner. They've also got a bunch of new products coming out. So, yeah, it's really exciting. And I'm so excited that I've been able to be with them basically from conception of the brand and moving forward. It's, it's so exciting to me. Nah, that's awesome. Hey, you might as well flick over to the FIFO. What made you get into doing Fly and Fly Out? Okay, uh, to be honest, my original motivation was money. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically when I was 22, I got my first FIFO job as a wheel truck driver. I went up there for the money, basically. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to get financially set up. It was supposed to be a, jeez, oh, I'm just trying to think. I think it was supposed to be three years that I did. You know, the old do three years and get out story that everyone has. Yeah. Um, ended up staying at that mindset for four years. Um, in that time, I bought and paid off a house entirely. So then left there with, you know, debt free, had a house, really excited. And then had the intention to never go back to FIFA again. I bought a cafe and I ran that for a year. That ended really badly. I lost a whole bunch of money there. So that <laughs> made me go back to FIFA basically. Um, that was a you know very well-paid backup plan. So I went back up to another site, which I did two and a half years there. And then now I'm at another site and I've been there for around about six months. So um, I've been doing it on and off for about eight years altogether. Yeah. Are you still driving the trucks where you, where you are now? No, actually, where I'm at, we have autonomous haul trucks, which is really cool. It's my first time working with an autonomous system. So that was all very new because I'd always worked in the manned pits. So that was really cool and something different to learn. So I started off on haul trucks. So I know people get very impatient within the industry and how long it takes progression to do other things. But listen to this, people, because it took me a long time. So I spent four, I think I spent two, two or three years on haul trucks only bored out of my brain at, at points. Then I jumped on a water cart. Um, so then I did, yeah, haul trucks and water carts all up for about, so yeah, four years at one site, then about another year at another site. 
Then I jumped on the greater. So let's so we're you know five years into mining at this point. I jumped finally got on a greater. Um, so little graders, big graders. I loved the greater. I was so happy to get on it. I had a really cool um, trainer. We're still good friends now. Um, and I was on there for about two years, and then um, and that's all I did. So that's all I've done for. Um, yeah, close to eight years is haul truck, water car and grader. And then I'm actually really, really fortunate that in the last few weeks I've been training on an excavator. Um, so, yeah, my level of progression has gone from right down the bottom to right at the top real quick. Um, I'm training on the world's second largest excavator and that's been a really, really cool opportunity. What excavator is it? Um, it's a fifty six hundred. So it's that- it's a it's a massive excavator, um, and yeah, we're loading the massive nine thirty trucks with a three hundred and twenty ton payload on them, the autonomous trucks. So yeah, it's been a really cool opportunity. Um, a bit scary at times, but I'm just really thankful that being on this site they've recognized my potential and given me the opportunity that's awesome congratulations how do you stop the truck coming back at you have you got a button or they all censored like when they you're on the bench digging and the truck reverses up to you how do you stop it yeah so there's there's systems in place so you kind of tell the truck where you want it to go and then you approve it to go there and then it comes back and it stops exactly where you told it to go to. So yeah. Once you've loaded it, you press a button and it goes or once it hits a payload, it goes by itself. Yep. Yep. So once you've loaded it, you press the button and off it goes to its destination. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool system. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're going through that where I'm at at the moment. We're supposed to be all fully autonomous by the end of next year or something like that. Yeah. So we're going through all that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a big learning curve, but it's really cool in a lot of ways too. Oh, it'd definitely be interesting. Hey, can you touch on the cafe? Like, that's obviously a cool life lesson that people should be hearing, or I'm guessing be a cool lesson for people here anyway. Can you tell me about what happened there? Yeah, sure. So um, once I left mining, <laughs> legit, I, I thought about it a lot that I wanted to have a cafe and my old workmates they'll they'll know that I used to talk about it a lot and it was the day that I had quit my job I looked online and a cafe in my hometown was up for sale so I said I'm going to the bank on Monday I'm going to get a loan and buy this cafe so that's exactly what I did um it sounds spur at the moment but it was a dream that I had in the pipeline for a long time so I went and I bought this cafe, used my house um, as, what do you call it? Collateral or? Um, yeah, I guess that's what you call it. Yeah, so I used my house as collateral because that was entirely paid off. Um, things went well for a while. There was a few things that contributed to me failing. I believe there was a, there was some a couple of cafes that opened up in town after I purchased it and being a small town there's obviously only so much 
business to go around. So that was a factor, but also I have to take full responsibility that I believe I pushed too much of what I wanted rather than listening to the public enough. So yeah, I ended up basically going broke. I had to sell the cafe before I either entered bankruptcy or lost my house. I sold it and lost about, um, including invoices that I had stacked up, tax debt and the cafe uh, borrowing price. I ended up with about $200,000 debt once I sold the cafe. God, that's insane, eh? Yeah, it was a lot and it, was really hard but also I was running myself into the ground I was doing really really long hours I was under a lot of stress a lot of pressure um when I say long hours I mean I was getting up at midnight and getting back to bed at nine o'clock at night so I was literally running on three hours sleep for probably at least six months I was I was a real mess so I needed to get out of that situation but I take full responsibility. I put myself in that situation. I made decisions that led me to where I went and I lost a lot of money along the way, but that's, that's life. That's the lessons you learn and you have to just take responsibility for it and fix the situation instead of dwelling on what ifs and could be's and why didn't and all that kind of stuff. So I think take responsibility and move along. I like how you said that. Oh, I was. I was watching um Jersey <laughs> Jersey Shore last night, and the situation so that um you, know, you have lots of wins and losses, so you get lots of W's and lots of L's. You just got to turn those L's into lessons instead of lose like losses. I thought that was quite. Uh-huh. Hey, when you said that you're pushing what you want instead of listening to the customer, what do you mean? Well, um, I always had this intention, and I had looked at other cafes. I really wanted a health food cafe within the town. Before I purchased the cafe, I was making and selling on the side a lot of um, healthier treats like sugar-free treats, paleo, gluten-free, all those kind of stuff I was making and selling on the side. I had a lot of people tell me that they wanted a health food cafe in town, that they wanted somewhere that they could get healthy meals, things like that. So that was my intention to bring that to the town. Um, And when I took over the cafe, I kept the menu the same for a very long time. Then I started gradually making changes. So replacing some of the items that weren't selling as well with items that I wanted to see on the menu that were inspired by, you know, other cafes with a similar business model to what I wanted to progress to. Yeah, I kind of tried to keep a really good mix between the favourites that were selling well and that everyone wanted and adding in things that I wanted to see there, the health food type items. And unfortunately, I think it just, there wasn't enough demand for it and it didn't work. So that's, that's on me, I guess, for not seeing what the public wanted, I guess. I say that a lot. Lots of people say they want a healthier version or they say if they had the option, they would definitely pick the healthier one out of the two snacks. But in reality, I think it's more, uh, I don't want to say lip service, but it's more they're saying the things that they feel they should be saying as opposed to what they actually really want. So. Absolutely. I think that's so, so true. So 
what people were saying they wanted and what people were spending their money on were two very different things. So, you know, I had a lot of hopes and dreams and unfortunately it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, but you live and learn. Oh, totally. Hey, the next question I'm going to ask about self-improvement. I know you've already touched on you being in that growth lab environment and surrounding yourself with other like-minded people. So, you, you know, the old saying, you are the average of the five closest people that you surround yourself with. So that's one of the things I see you're, you're already doing. But can you tell me what kind of self-improvement things you do? Honestly, I don't have anything in particular. I'm just the type of person that's very much about bettering myself all the time. So in the gym, for example, I will always push out that one more rep or increase those weights or do that extra little bit because progressive overload is how you grow. And progressive overload, not only in the gym, but also in life. So by learning new things, by trying new experiences, that's how you grow, that's how you learn, that's how you progress forward. I'm very much about constant progression, whether that be at work, whether that be in life, in education, in the gym, with your body, with your mind. I guess I'm a very self-motivated person that pushes myself. So I wouldn't say there's anything in particular. I'd say I just am very much about progression always. And we all have times where we go backwards, whether it be for an injury, whether it be something happening in your personal life, whether you get fired from a job. Like We've all been there. We've all had those things happen. I know I certainly have. But then you've got to continue to progress forward. So I think I'm just a very much a self-motivated person. So there's nothing in particular that I do. Oh, basically now that anyway, just keep improving yourself gradually. And before you know it, fast forward three, five years or whatever. And boof, yeah. So yeah, it's just gradual improvement. Yeah, you can't smash it there. We're literally about to run out of time. Um, where can people find you on social media? Okay. I'm on Instagram at Vanessa Jane Carly. And yeah, I love hearing from people. Um, I get some really cute messages every now and then, especially from females within the FIFO industry or in bodybuilding or just women that support other women and telling me that I have inspired them or helped them in some way. And that means so much to me. Like I don't do it for recognition. I do it because this is my life. And Instagram is literally just a reflection of my life. But if I can use that to help someone progress themselves to be better in whatever aspect they want then i love that so it's really cool to hear from people through that medium that's pretty cool basically you're leading by example you're showing what can be done by you doing it well that's awesome um we're gonna wrap it up here did you have fun coming on the show yeah it's good it's good to have a little chat and yeah i hope that people will get something out of it oh awesome yeah i reckon it was an awesome chat well that's a wrap i'd like to thank vanessa again for coming on the show and i'd like to thank you the listener for listening please tell a friend about the podcast and have a fantastic day all right bye bye